0: But some who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Sell all your possessions and follow me. There is no doubt that there are some phrases and turns of phrases that Jesus has in the Gospels that make us cringe. In fact, a few—I uh, think it was my first year here after Easter—we did a series: "Things I Wish Jesus Never Said," and I think both of these happen to be there. They run counterintuitive to how we live our lives, especially in the West and in the United States at that. We're told our whole lives, in fact, the complete opposite by society and the commercials that we see on TV and our news feeds and everywhere. In fact, you work really hard not to be last because they don't end up first, You work as hard as you can to be first, to climb the corporate ladder, to move up the ranks within your uh, service branch, to do whatever it is to be the best of the best, because that's what we are and striving to be. Similarly, we don't give our possessions away. We gather and we accumulate so that we can be happy, right? I mean, just next Sunday is going to be Super Bowl Sunday. And you're going to have commercial after commercial of ways in which you can, in fact, be happier. Whether it's through this, you know, following this subscription to the e-commerce or whatever it is that's going to be the funniest commercial that are there. The reality is, is that we're going to be sold that life in its fullest comes, well, from the things that we accumulate, The money that we have to spend on the new Apple product or the Samsung product, whatever it be. And then Jesus comes along and challenges that assumption. I find it really uh, not ironic, but one of the things that we struggle to talk about within the church is money. Money. And sometimes we struggle to talk about it because, one, we don't want to be the, you know, the televangelists that are saying, if you give me this, God's going to bless you. Or if you give the church this, God's going to bless you. And the more you give, the more you get. And then another reason we don't want to talk about money is because when we hear the words about money, it makes us cringe a little bit because Jesus challenges us when it comes to money. And so there are many ways to read it. And in fact, uh, as I was researching about how do I speak about money and sustained living, you know, it's so interesting the ways in which we can quickly try to change the words that Jesus has. You know, I was like reading stuff about Jesus tells you to, you know, protect your family with money. And I was like, where in the Bible does it say that? And then I read the scripture verses that they were attributing it to. And I just was having a hard time following their logic. Because the truth is that Jesus invites us not to accumulate, but to give. 1 Timothy says, The root of many evils is in the love of money. Think about that. The root of many evils is in the love of money. And I truly think that that was in the sp- Spirit of the air when this rich young man comes to Jesus. Having a have, that he's someone who knows or has a lot, he can buy whatever he needs in exchanges. He can even live a certain lifestyle that gets him what he wants and the outcomes. The, the disciples and everyone who heard Jesus say, basically, you cannot buy your way to the kingdom. We're astounded. Wait, a rich person can't have something just by the nature of handing money over? It's, it's beyond their understanding because, you know, people who have money can, you know, get into the exclusive clubs. They can rise to the ranks as, as fast as they're able to. They're, you know, if you have that, that's what we're told. And Jesus says, not in this sort of kingdom. And similarly... He says, if you follow it, it's not just about following the Torah, the law, the commandments to the T for the interactional exchange. That I can get something out of this because I'm giving something to this. It's not as simple as just following the rules or giving enough money. And so sometimes people take, I think, this, and you could, to either extreme. Jesus wasn't talking about this, or Jesus is exactly talking about this. That we must give away all of our possessions. And for me, I think that there's somewhat of a middle ground. But I've learned more, not from the people that disregard it, but from the people that have taken Jesus' words literally. Literally people that perhaps you know of. St. Francis of Assisi, for example. You know, the little garden saint that's in many people's gardens that they have around? St. Francis believed there was something about money that just corrupted. He came from it. He was from a, a wealthy family, and he decided not to kind of live into that heritage, but instead to give everything away. He decided to give it away and live a life, not just in nature, although that's what we like to think of Francis of Assisi, but in the world, saying that the world would provide what it needs. He became associated with animals because of his love for all of creation, because God cares for all of creation, and the birds find their nutrients, as do the flowers of the field, as do the squirrels, as do the deer, as do all of God's creatures, including us. And so St. Bonaventure, who writes extensively about the life of St. Francis of Assisi, shares about how money distracts us from reliance on God. And I think that that is one of the things that Jesus is getting at within this exchange with the rich, young ruler. When you have, you have. And when you don't, you recognize your need. I think that many of us, many of us are trying to, you know, protect ourselves with enough levels of comfort and, you know, the, what we have to, to kind of coast and make it easy. But Jesus invites us to rely on God. And this is really kind of a, one of the kind of turns in this series. We've been talking about sustained living, haven't we? And how do we live more sustainably? And for us, we think, how do you live more sustainably? Well, you have a, a, a large savings account. Well, you have, you know, money to spare and, and margins. And, you know, you make sure everything's taken care of. And yet, something ironic about Jesus' call in regards to money has more to do with a sense of risk. He sends the disciples out with Nothing. Two by two to go and not raise money, but to go door to door and ask them, do they let them in? He says, go door to door and share the good news, and if they let you in, you stay there and you abide with them, and if they don't, you shake the dust off your feet and you move on. But they were instructed to go empty-handed to rely not on the security of what they have, but on their faith in God. And now, friends, don't get me wrong. I do not believe that this means you cannot have money and you cannot be faithful. In fact, I believe that the church is, grew amongst the Gentiles because of Paul's connections to those that had. Lydia, for example, was a commerce, a woman of commerce, and she traded within the purple industry, which is a really popular fabric industry of the time because it was the sign of royalty. And so she was clearly someone who had. And so Paul gets into the webs of this fabric kind of exchange, this trade commerce, and he ends up in Corinth. And you see in Corinth in his letters that he writes to them some of the dynamics going on. Because on the one hand, you had the Gentiles that ran in sort of a, a higher elite status, somewhat more of the aristocrats. And you had the poor Jews that were in the community as well. And Paul's calling them to some sense of unity. Inviting them to live life together. Sustained living is about a life that's more willing to give to support than we are interested in what we're getting and accumulating on this earth. We've been talking about that for a number of weeks. We've been talking about this sort of release of the self-desire when we talked about pace. Because the thing is, is that our unsustainable pace is not because of a lack of, like, positive push. Like, it's not because we're not trying to do good. In fact, I think it's that our intentions to do good and to be the best parent we can be, the best politician we can be, whatever it is that we're going to be, pushes us at a pace that's unsustainable. That's what we talked about, resting and slowing we also talked about stuff, the things that we accumulate, and that less is more than the kingdom of God. And then similarly, here we talk about it's not the accrual of wealth, but the reliance on God and the ability to give it away. Or the ability to acknowledge that sometimes less is more. More is less. I don't know how to phrase that. The the point being is that one of the things that I learned when I was in divinity school is the economic impact of our day-to-day decisions. What we spend our money on. We live in a a costco world where we want to buy as much as possible at as little of a cost possible. And that's actually lifted up unless you get into a sort of a higher echelon where it's about, you know, the pristine, you know, unique products that will last forever and be passed down from generation to generation. And, and in that case, you throw money out the window. But for many of us, especially uh, those who have grown up in the middle class or lower middle class, upper middle class, it's about, you know, getting the value of what you're purchasing. So we shop on sale and on clearance and we go to Nordstrom Rack and we we try to get as much as we can with as little. It's possible. But sometimes it's more important to think about how we spend our money and where it goes than necessarily how much. I learned this from a class called Creation Care. How do we care for the environment? And one might think that that has nothing to do with economics, and I am not an economist. All this GameStop stuff that's going on, and, you know, the rise and the hedge funds. I mean, it is all over my head. The only thing I kind of understand about it all is it's all kind of immaterial. Meaning that, like, you know, the stock markets fluctuate and all these things. And and money isn't about, you know, back when Jesus was talking about the things. You know, it's like you trade this goat to get this fabric, But nowadays, money is sort of credit and immaterial and all these things. But the creation care professor called us to think differently about our money. He called us to think about where, it, it, you know, where we get it, but then also where we spend it, and you know, that we don't just go for the cheapest dollar. And talked about how much of the pork that's uh, sold within the supermarkets is sold at such a low rate. And then he went into some of the economics uh, and that go behind Smithfield Factory in North Carolina. And I had no idea, but uh, apparently there was a pipeline, essentially, that came from Mexico to North Carolina to work in the Smithfield factories. And then the Smithfield factories, well, they had sort of Deals with ISIS, or with ICE, not ISIS, <laughs> with ICE that would come and they would come in and they would do raids and they would send people back to Mexico or wherever they would send them. And as long as they didn't take enough of the workers, there's sort of the symbiotic relationship. And that was driven by the desire for cheap pork. And we walk up to the farmers market and the, the farmers are selling their pork that has been raised in their fields at twice the cost that you might find in the supermarket. And we say to ourselves, I'm not going to waste our money on that. And it's hard. Sometimes to buy something from our local businesses is going to be more expensive than going to the big box stores to get the things at half the cost. And I'm not just trying to tell you to go spend your money frivolously. That's not what I'm trying to say. But sometimes how we spend our money the sustainable way might call us to spend more, which means we'll likely buy less as well. We'll have less to go bad in our freezers. We'll have less to accumulate dust and rust here in Hawaii. So the way you purchase, the way you spend, has to do with our environment, social justice, so many facets of our lives. But it's not just that. That's important. But what Jesus really invites us to as well is to spend our money in such a way that we have money to give. It's one of my great lessons of uh, my marriage with Ashley. I I grew up uh, just kind of like everything we're talking about trying to get things, you know, try to get PlayStation, try to get DVDs, try to do all those things, save up my money, I put in the savings account, do all those things, and it drove me crazy during our first year of marriage because I was in divinity school and I wasn't making anything and and she was, you know, right during the recession, her job wasn't making a lot of money, but then she would like give all of these presents to people and it would drive me crazy and she would make sure that we were giving to organizations and, and we're giving all this money away and I'm just like, Ashley, we don't have money to give. But somehow... In the midst of all that, and many learnings of, like, figuring out how we do those dynamics together, we made it through. Because she was raised with the sense that it's not just about accumulating, but about giving away. And we have to have the margin within our finances to be able to give to those in need. How do you give of your finances away? Not that you have to give it all away, but how do you give in a way that in fact causes some level, I don't know if risk is the best way, but it gives faithfully. We do that as a congregation, monies that we give, we give out to outreach, we support local and international missions, we support our denomination through our apportionments, which much of the monies that goes to that, which is a significant piece of our budget, goes out to missions. Supporting uh, the various discipleship and the agencies that we have to be able to be, do activist work in D.C., as well as to be able to do faith formation, and as well as to be able to go out and have the infrastructure to respond to crises when they happen through UMCOR, or whatever it is. So much of what we do, camping ministry, is supported through those giving from local congregations. And that takes trust. So as you see the commercials coming soon, telling you what you need more and more, or make you envious of the Audis and the Lexuses that you don't have. Perhaps for a moment, be reminded of the challenging words of Jesus. And friends, there's no right answer and there's no prescription to what we need to do. And I'm not up here to tell you, you need to do this and to do that with your money to be faithful. Please don't hear that. Because ultimately, that's what the young rich man wanted. He wanted to know exactly what he can do. And Jesus invited him to rely on God. To rely not on the things, but to on God. And even the disciples, when they say, what can we do? Jesus says, it's harder for anyone to get into the kingdom of God in their own effort." just as hard for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. It's only through God that we find life, and life to the fullest, and sustained life. And friends, that is not through accumulation. That is not through trying to be the richest person in the world, although maybe It's not in our love of money, but in our love of God. So let us learn what it means for us to live a life not trying to be first, but to live a life that gives ourself away. The early Christian fathers and mothers, as they were learning to describe who God was as the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit used a phrase called God's economy to understand it. That the economy of God, and that economy for them was that of love. Koinia, the Greek, has its sort of understanding and roots in kind of the, the experience, right? You know, you money, the exchange of goods, and the exchange that we experience from God is love, and how do we press into that so that we might also be that in the world? For as Timothy says, First Timothy says, the love of money is the root of so many evils. And as Jesus calls us to over and over again throughout the Gospels, not to accumulate And to rely on our wealth. But to find our trust in God. And to care for the poor. And the hungry. Let's go and be the same. I invite you to pray with me.